Gratitude That's my everyday All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Today's guest is Todd Michael Roberts, the man with three names, so mysterious. He is kind of an enigma. Um, he's an amazing guy. Uh, really stoked about giving you guys an opportunity to, to, to drop into our conversation. Um, I met this man a couple months ago at Soltara Healing Center, which is an ayahuasca medicine retreat down in Costa Rica. It is an incredible place, uh, magical. And uh, Todd is one of the facilitators, one of the many magical facilitators that works there. And um, I had a really incredible experience getting to know him while I was down there. And I share a little bit on the podcast, uh, the story that kind of led to the genesis of him coming on to this podcast. It was actually uh, the last night ceremony I was really deep in the medicine and he he brought me out of it with his his loving presence and uh, really grateful to him for that and he is probably a man that contemplates the universe more than I do and uh, we definitely get on some wild topics I will say that he is calling in from Nicaragua and his internet is a little spotty but grateful that we have an amazing sound engineer Graham shout out to you um, that's going to make this podcast as seamless as possible. Um, his internet just goes out a couple of times. So we have to edit out those things to make it not so jarring on you, the listener. Um, I hope it isn't too bad. Um, I hope you're able to get the, the depth of the conversation and probably flow smoother listening to it than it did. I mean, it cut out a couple of times. Um, but anyways, the conversation was incredible. I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it and I'm really, really excited, uh, to share this magical human with all of you. And before we dive in, I do want to say really stoked about launching a premium feed membership podcast feed. Really cool through Supercast. If you are interested in supporting this podcast financially and also have the ability to receive premium content, premium audio content from me, then click the link in the show notes, sign up for an account. It's $7 a month. That is a less, probably about the same as a cappuccino from Starbucks. Um, but this, this podcast is, does take some money on the back end to support and to create. And I think this is a really beautiful opportunity to um, not only get people to support the podcast if you're really interested, but also have the ability to give them premium content for doing so. And I'm really excited about the strategy that I'm coming up with. Got a lot of different things in the works, um, extra solo casts, different um, motivational audio content. Um, you might even win a chance to get on the podcast. And there's a lot of cool things in the works. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to the link in the show notes, click on it, $7 a month. I think there's a discount if you do yearly and you will not be disappointed. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, leave a review, rate it right now before you listen to the rest of it, because that goes a long way in helping support the podcast as well. And to everybody that's been listening since the beginning, following my journey, so much love to you. I appreciate you so much. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to continue to grow this. The momentum is building. Um, also want to plug the heart collective. 
That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. It's an exclusive community for former male professional athletes that I'm building. Uh, the momentum is building with that as well. Really excited about the new members that are joining and just the community that is coming together to really support one another on this journey through the transition out of football into finding deeper meaning in life. And it's been really magical. We're also coming out with a new content strategy, building out courses, and we do Heart Collective masterclasses with a wide variety of different thought leaders. And those are going to be available to purchase to anyone. So if you don't already go to theheartcollective.com, put your email in so you don't miss out on all this amazing content that we're creating. And I think that's it. I love y'all. Enjoy this episode. All right, everyone. Todd Michael Roberts here, the man with three first names. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm so stoked. And where are you, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Popoyo, Nicaragua. Yeah. And the internet's a little choppy. So if it does go out, we'll, we'll try and navigate it with, uh, with the editing. So, um, fingers crossed. yeah, fingers crossed, uh, Todd, man, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm on, uh, I'm on vacation right now. I just did, um, like two and a half months at Sultara facilitating ayahuasca ceremonies and, uh, yeah, now I'm yeah. each side literally. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into that because I, I want to share this story and the reason I really, the genesis of how this conversation got to getting you on quantum coffee. I actually went to Sultara, um, a couple months ago now and was working with the ayahuasca medicine, which I really am excited to kind of have you share your journey with the medicine and kind of describe it to the listeners of, of what it actually is. But uh, we did four ceremonies down there. It was my second time to Sotara, really beautiful. And the very last night, I, uh, right when the ceremony ended, I just had a huge wave come over me of the medicine. And I was just, I was really exhausted from the entire week. We had done three ceremonies before that as the final one. And I was just like, no, I don't want this to happen. And I had a bunch of deep experiences I won't go into, but I remember asking for Todd to come over. Todd's one of the facilitators there who does a beautiful, magical job of holding that container. And he came over and I was like, Hey man, can you like blow some tobacco on me or something? Like, really, I just need to be grounded. Like I just, I'm having a huge wave come on and I don't know if I'm, I'm ready for it. And he did this medicine man work on me, blew some smoke on me. And it really, really helped, made me feel really grounded. And then I just kind of sat up and I was sat there kind of pondering the entire experience. And then Todd came over and asked if I wanted to take a walk. And so we got up and walked outside of the Maloka and we walked probably 20, 30 feet over into this little opening and the medicine was very strong. I could barely talk, but your presence like was just so grounding to me. And then we, we proceeded to have one of the most magical conversations of my entire life. And I don't know if it was because the medicine was really strong and I just felt so connected to infinity and like being able to, cause I mean, this podcast, I started quantum coffee. Like I love having these conversations about the unanswerable questions of the universe and how it all works. And, you know, when you go into these psychedelic plant medicine experiences, it obviously gives you access to a, a, a wider experience of what reality is. And so being in that space and then having a really deep, profound conversation with you and just being able to understand the concepts that we were talking about, because the medicine was just really flowing through. Um, that really blew my mind. We talked for like 30 minutes. And I remember as we walked back, because you're like, I should probably get back to the Maloka and make sure that, you know, other people are okay. 
I was like, man, I want to get you on my podcast so we can continue this conversation. And here we are. Here we are. Not on ayahuasca. <laughs> not, not on ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive into that. So what is, what is ayahuasca for listeners that may not know or might have a misinterpretation of what it actually is? Sure. Um, ayahuasca is, uh, it's two plants. Um, one is a, a vine and the other is a leaf. Um, and they're found in the Amazon. Ayahuasca itself, it, you know, without going into full on ayahuasca talk, like you've experienced a couple of times, mm-hmm. but just, uh, it's, um, it's those two plants are made into a brew and the constituents in those plants have alkaloids that have um, different effects on the body and the mind and the spirit. Um, it's used by many indigenous groups from the Amazon and still to this day as well, traditionally. And it has started to spread globally in the last, well, I'd say definitely 30 years or so, uh, I started working with ayahuasca back in 2004. Um, I feel like every facilitator has a, has a origin story of how the medicine called them down yeah. work. What was that story for you? Well, the, the medicine came up to Canada for me and I had just, I had, so 2004, I was on the precipice of like, I was 28 and, uh, yeah, just on the precipice of, of like going into adulthood and the Saturn return, if you're into astrology, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I had, I had worked with other plant medicines before. I think the first one I started with was cannabis and then, and then with mushrooms and then using those, I mean, I call them plant medicines now, but back then I didn't, Mm. that's for sure. But there's something that came through with the spirits of these plants that I realized were um, speaking to me in a way that they needed to be done consciously and with respect. Then I lost Kate about the same time. And that the early days for me, I, I didn't come to it out of... Um, any necessity for healing trauma or, or anything like that for me, it was more uh, uh, like a, I was being pulled towards it. I was interested in it. Um, and it was more out of exploration. Um, I was really interested in people like Terrence and Dennis McKenna and whatnot. Sort of the psychonaut exploration kind of thing, because what I was experiencing in the world in the default reality, whatever I want to call it, was um, I always felt like there was more, and there's something behind it all, and I wanted to experience what that was. Um, and in in a safe in a safe way, as well. So I was I was pretty blessed that in Canada we we had um, a group of of Westerners that were apprenticing with with the, the Shipibo and the Shipibo are another indigenous group and from the Amazon that have been working with ayahuasca for hundreds, thousands of years. We don't really know. Um, um, 
and ask them and you might not get a straight answer. They'll just say a long time. As no. well. And at Soltara, we work with, with Shipibos as well. So most of my, my experience has been with Shipibo, a little bit of Mestizo, which is like sort of like mixed, mixed race, um, shamanism. Um, I don't use the word shamanism a lot. Um, but sometimes just to make sense of things. Um, so yeah, back, back then it was Shipibo trained apprentices that were Westerners from Chile, from uh, France, Canada, the U S all trained under, um, Shipibo maestro or master of the medicine and, or Onaya in, in the Shipibo language. Onaya is, uh, the one that knows, the keeper of the knowledge. And uni in, in Shipibo is the word for ayahuasca. So I'll use the word uni as well. Um, ayahuasca itself is a, is a Quechua word, which means like vine of the soul. Mm. But because my, you know, I've just been working with the Shipibo lineage for so long, I, I call it uni. Mm. Uh, like O-N-I, there's no U in Shipibo, but it's like an U, uni. Um, so I have a lot of respect for, for that lineage and for the, for the, the Shipibo people and what they've endured and how they brought the medicine out into the world. Um, hmm. did you go down and I actually, was, actually train down in Peru with the Shipibo and, and was, was there a transition from experiencing the medicine into doing what you're doing now and actually facilitating working so deeply with the medicine. And, and it's obviously a life calling that it's become this now. Is that the vision when you first started doing this type of work? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Which is, which is the thing. Um, you know, we'll probably get into talking about life and what is the purpose or whatever, but it's kind of been, it's been part of the ride. And um, my, for, for my, my journey, how it started you know, as I said, it wasn't it wasn't looking at wanting to become um, a, a healer or some might say an ayahuasquero or something like that or a curandero. And I have not trained in that way. Um, I've been called to it twice. And the first time was really early on when I started. Uh, and I think many people get this call in ceremony it comes on real strong that uh, it's like a new sense of purpose and that we need to you know the world needs a lot of healing and i want to be part of that and i want to train and i want to be or you know i want to i want to sing to people i want to help cure people but i think a lot of that would in the beginning was a lot of sort of ego cleansing mm. in that way and i remember an early ceremony where I was having this, this duel with, with like myself and, and in my mind, like the, the maestro I felt was like calling me. He's like, yeah, come and join us, come and join us. But then I was like, no, I don't feel like this is the right thing to do right now. And then that flipped into like, oh yeah, this would be totally great. And I want to do this and la, 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 and something, something came up. And this is just in one ceremony too. Ceremonies are multifaceted. Mm. Um, where I had this like, I had this like battle about that. And then I saw or felt or experienced like where I was in my life. And there were some things that I still felt like I needed to 
live before I ever got into anything like that. And, and that was, and that was it. And then there was another point when I was working with another maestro and uh, a friend of mine told me later that he had wanted to apprentice me. And I was upset when I heard that from somebody else and not him, but then it quickly, quickly moved to like being very thankful (laughs) that it didn't happen. Uh, um because here i am mm. so there you go and i always come back to that like this part of part of the bigger lessons in what i have experienced in, in my journey with ayahuasca has been all we have is now so there's no shoulda coulda or woulda you know scenarios um regrets and all that kind of stuff a lot a lot of work you know in with only deals with a lot of this past stuff. Mm. Let's talk about ayahuasca. You talked about how it's becoming more prevalent or more available. It's becoming obviously more accessible to the collective, especially the West. Um, I know it's in, in my, in my world, I've been exposed to it. It's had such a profound transformative impact on my life. Um, you know, I even feel like there's two types of people in the world, people that have drinking ayahuasca and people, people that haven't, uh, yeah. because it's like, it's that profound. And, um, it really just, you know, any question you had around, you know, mystical teachings or spirit or consciousness or anything, it kind of just opens you up to all of that almost instantly. Um, and it's obviously different for everybody, but talk a little bit about the medicine specifically and the impact that it can have on the individual and why is it becoming so prevalent and available and in, in kind of today's world? Mm. It's a great question. Um, I see that there's an emergence of this medicine in accordance with how much globalized everything has become, especially when it comes to info, like information and knowledge. Um, and the acknowledgement of the need for healing on an individual level um there's a lot less shame about that and it's a maybe it's something too about just these times it's not it's not as uh simple or easy to just uh shove everything down anymore um and there's a calling so there's like a there's a there's like some sort of like spiritual awakening going on not not in a religious sense, but as a collective, big wake up call. Back when I got into it, even before, and I was getting into, well, I wasn't getting into it. It was the the, the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, the the medicine of the north and the medicine of the south meeting again. You know, that was something that actually attracted me to to this medicine as well. For whatever reason, it just it just happened. Um, as far as the collective, I can see that there is there's a great need, and and ayahuasca or uni is just one of of many forms. But the popularization of ayahuasca, yeah, definitely is. It's become a huge thing. Even even where I'm staying right now, I've already met. I'm I'm. 
I met three people in the first few days that have done ayahuasca ceremonies. It used to be not so common, but now kind of everywhere I go, I meet people that are doing it or have done it and have had an experience. And it varies as well, you know, because like some people aren't working with, you know, a, a specific lineage or tradition and they're working with pseudo shamans and they have like kind of semi horror stories about what happened to them. And some people have continued to work with it as well. Um, and it's also in the media as well, become not popularized. I, I wouldn't say it's become popularized, but it's become a bit more well-known. Mm. especially in the in the realm of alternative medicine or alternative therapies or whatever you want to call it maybe it's both and more in that way um it's um you know as i say it's a medicine um medicine can be of great benefit and it can also be poison mm. as well too so it's something that you know, this, this medicine needs to be done with and held with a lot of um, sacredness and, and respect. So let's talk about ayahuasca for maybe people that haven't heard of it or maybe they've heard of it. You know, maybe they have this fear around, you know, psychedelics or what ayahuasca even is. Um, maybe explain to them, because I know I've done 13 ceremonies now and even my idea of what ayahuasca is and how it's helped me in um, how I would even explain it to somebody it just continues to shift with every ceremony because they all, all are so different. But mm -hmm. just telling somebody that maybe isn't exposed into the world, like the power of it, what the experience is like, what, what can they gain from it? What, what, what is the medicine part? How can it heal you? Um, you know, I have my own ideas, but you've been working with the medicine so long. I'd love to hear if you were going to like share it with somebody that was new to this world, um, how would you describe the benefit that they could get from it? Right. Um, I would first start by explaining that it's plants. You know, we're working with plants. And that we're, you know, our, like pharmacologically, um, in, in the world today, there's like a high percentage of, of, remedies and pharmaceuticals that come from plants like 70 80 percent or something like that and so um there's a great benefit that can be attributed to working with with ayahuasca on 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 a physical level it's a good cleanser um but also on the mental um, psychological level as well because we're working with an energy attributed to this plant that um, some might say is spirit as well and that's when it that's when it gets difficult to talk to some people about this because there's this whole thing about talking about the spirits of something the spirits of plants the spirits of trees the spirits of certain, like the ocean or whatever um, but just to keep it simple, sometimes, um, when it comes to talking about for some, for some people are very scientific minded about it. And for some people, they're totally into spirits and plants and that type of thing. So sometimes it's when I talk to people about it, I have to 
bridge that gap a little bit depending mm. on who I'm talking to. See where they're at, see what kind of and see where they're at and everything yeah. too. And but I would also say that that um owning your ayahuasca is not for everybody. That's something that I've realized. And it was I remember I had a moment, it was longer than a moment where I realized that and it was it was like it was sad, you know, and seeing that like, well, not everybody is going to be able to benefit from something like this. You know, it's just not in the cards in this lifetime or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been great benefit to and for many people as well. Um, on the physical, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual, soul level kind of stuff. And it is not something that is an easy pill. It's not a band-aid. And it takes great uh, courage and strength to be able to do something like this, as you know. Mm -hmm. And dedication and commitment. And that dedication is to yourself. And that commitment is to yourself. Yeah, that's beautiful. I remember this last time I went to Soltara because it's the second time I went. And I looked at the, the, um, the kind of the logo you guys have and the snake kind of eating itself. What's that called? The Ouroboros. Ouroboros, yeah. Yeah. And and so I like, I totally understood that because, you know, for me, the way to simplify it is, you know, ayahuasca, it it takes you behind your stories in which you view reality because we have a very limited perception of what reality is. And then all the programming and stories, you know, that, that, that snake kind of folding in on itself and eating itself. It's like the ayahuasca brings you a layer behind the story in which you're viewing reality to see it from this different perspective. And it kind of allows you to see it from a wider angle and look at the different stories and, and uh, you know, because the, the story in which we view re- reality is where we're standing. And what mm-hmm. ayahuasca has done for me is allowed me to go layers deeper to see those stories and, and it allows me to process the the kind of programming and, and some of the the deeper trauma and like the, the processing of even the, the physical energy that we hold on to. And I think, you know, with the way our society in the West and our culture has been built with all of the stories that we've created on, you know, where the whole world is headed, it's like understanding that it's all a story. And this is a world that we've kind of been born into and inherited. And if you look at the direction we're headed, it doesn't look very good. Um, and so what do you think, you know, as far as kind of the collective narrative, I know ayahuasca is playing a a big role in helping people process some of this stuff because it does just kind of take you out. They say it's like 10 years of therapy in one session, which is, there's definitely something to that. Talk about your perspective with where, where the world's at and where we're headed and kind of what, what we can do, um, both individually and collectively to kind of shift where things are at. Um, I think I just reflect on, so I, when I'm facilitating, um, and this, this started when I was working down in the Amazon, I was, I lived there for five years and worked at a, at another retreat center and I stopped watching the news because it was, you know, just out of like, it's just toxic. Um, and this is like 2012, 2013 when that started. And what I realized is. Um, as I started working with groups of people, I was working with, um, upwards of, let's see here, like 40, yeah, about 40 people a month, somewhere around there. 
And I didn't need to watch the news anymore because everybody just came in with all of it all over them, people from all over the world, right? With all their stories, but the effect of what was going on currently in the world, I could see that they were bringing that in with them too, as, as much as their own personal stories, history of trauma or whatever, um, that there was also the meta level. Um, and I still see that now. And then in accordance with the work that I see, and I say work is as like the, 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 the healing that people are doing, um, mm. that I see through that, that everything is going to be okay. You know, cause I, I'm also seeing one tiny, tiny portion of, of, of people going through an, like an inner revolution in in their own sense and and that's through the healing their their perspective might change uh, of themselves and of the world and they become a lot more connected with something that i think was um missing Mm. in their lives which is connection to spirit connection to the other whatever whatever it is for them everybody's different Mm. um but there's also something that connects us all and not to say that it's an exclusive circle or something like that, but there's something about people that work with plant medicines that there's, there's a connection that I, that I see is undeniable. And I see how that is taken out into the world from the place that people have their experiences, you know, whether it's in a, a ayahuasca center in the Amazon or Costa Rica, or wherever they are, Canada, U.S., Europe. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of of this medicine work going on with ayahuasca, and now with the with the prevalence of microdosing as well, we've got microdosing with LSD, microdosing with mushrooms. We've got ketamine therapy. There's MDMA therapy, assisted therapies. You know all these things. Um, so there's there's like a a lot of, of self-realization happening that I could see. Mm. And just from my perspective, though, from what I experienced with the people that I, that I have the privilege to work with, that I, and I say this to, you know, you know, when we have the group shares mm. and, and, you know, and then we have the last, the final group share as well. We'll have like a couple in, in the one that you did. Mm. And the final one, I just, I always say this and, I, and I'm just like, and I really mean it. It's like, I, I, I felt like I was losing faith in the planet. I felt like I was um, born, I, I was born in 1976. I was born in, in a time when the, the finger was on the button, mm. you know, to send the nukes, literally. And it's horrible. It's, it's horrific. That's a horrific thing for, as a child to know about and grow up with and, and have that for a long time. Um, and it's through the, the medicine work that I've, I've learned to understand what that means now and what that, you know, maybe a bit more of like why I ended up here <laughs> in this existence. Mm. Um, and I realized that I chose this existence as well, you know, on a side note and that, um, from what I see in people now is I have a lot of faith that uh, everything's going to be okay. And we're not out of, you know, out of the woods yet. 
in in respect to a lot of things and potentially a lot of other more devastating things are going to happen in the future but um there's a yin and a yang Mm. talk about the importance of psychedelics in this kind of collective movement because i've gone back and forth on this as well and there's obviously a lot of you know collective narrative around psychedelics especially in this country which is starting to shift which is really beautiful and they're actually doing a lot of research uh, about mm-hmm. the benefits and doing it in a therapeutical setting in a safe container. And then there's the microdosing, opening up creative creativity and creative flow and using it in a lot of different ways. Is it a necessary part of where we're headed and getting off of the track that we're on? You know, I've gone back and forth on this and I think, you know, in my own journey, it's, it's using these type of substances allows you to process the stories that we live from and in and it widens your perspective and i think that is just it's hard to get out of the kind of one-way thinking i mean you can it's very but it's just very challenging it's a very uphill battle it takes a lot of effort but if you work with these medicines it like really gives you a visceral experience of something other something greater and then it allows you to question the stories in in a more kind of realized way do you think psychedelics is necessary for the the world to kind of wake up it certainly seems to be happening Mm. and it seems to me to be a part of that (laughs) as an observer yeah you know and a participant i guess you could say uh, a lot more in the former way Mm. but um yeah i can see how it's it's something that you know, Terrence, Terrence McKenna and, and him talking about the archaic revival um, is probably one of the strongest things I ever heard from him. You know, the strongest things I ever heard him say or talk about. And when, you know, the archaic revival to me is not something about like reviving archaic things that are useless or old. It's, it's in something that's archaic that we've lost touch with. It's, it's about a revival of things that we have perhaps been very disconnected from mm. nature, the nurturing nature of nature, <laughs> mm. um, our connection to, I mean, not just nature, but Pachamama or the planet and the plants and the animals and the earth and all those elements. And, and that's something that um, psychedelics can help us get back in touch with or reconnect with mm. through ourselves as well. Because there's also things as um, one aspect is like there can be um, in a healing process, it's like letting go, letting go of things, um, which can be things that are quite ingrained and patterns patterns that we form ourselves or patterns that we learn from an early age as we're as we're born into a structure as well then that becomes that i mean do you know other than that and then when you can when you can take a substance that allows you to pull back and see things from a little bit more of a distance and go and look at it objectively even just to be able to look at it outside of itself in a, in a, in a way mm. i think is uh is really important and 
as much as when we get into like shamanism or like back in, in tribal days, um, I even look at, I mean, I have tattoos and I, and I look at, um, tattooing as a form of, of, of healing as well. I've got some, I see, you know, and, and tattooing was something that was almost wiped off the planet. Almost. Right. When did that happen? At one point. Well, that was when, when obviously religion came along and Mm. Christianity and missionaries and they, they tried to wipe it out especially in the South Pacific, but it didn't, it didn't happen, especially from Samoans. The Samoans were really good at holding that tradition really tight. And then they shared it mm. very willing. Yeah. And so when I look at um, what's going on with say the Shipibo as well through colonialism, and they're still willing to share something like this, it's not really up to them in a way. And I've been told this, that they are, they are channels for these plants, yeah. the plants that are conducting it in that way. And if you don't, if you want to look at, at psychedelics as well, I mean, you can, you can classify some as being, yes, they are coming from plants or, or fungi. Even LSD is, is a derivative of ergot, you know, which is a fungus. I didn't know that. Nice. Oh yeah, look up that history. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not about digressing into an old way of being, but how can we merge this futuristic world we're creating, but be more connected and do it in this synergetic relationship with the earth and with nature and coming back home to that, but also using the abundance of technology and the things that we have created as a human civilization in accordance with the things around us. Right. And being able to create, like we're, we're at a time, a pinnacle in human history, at least modern human history on this plane of existence, where we have this opportunity to really create an abundant, like love filled life for everybody on earth. But there's these stories that are getting in the way these stories of what we need to do and who we need to be and the the greed and the power and the scarcity energy of all of it. And the psychedelics help us break out of those stories that are so ingrained, not just in us individually, but just have been passed around, passed down for thousands of years and like literally ingrained in who we are. So what, I I mean, I ask everybody this, this question and I'm really excited to kind of get your perspective because we're talking about the collective narrative and where the world's headed and, you know, all of the stories that we're in now in this existence that we're living, but kind of widening the lens out, like, what's the purpose of it all? Like, what, why what's are we purpose? here? And I, it's funny because I asked that question to a lot of different people and they, they, you know, some people are like, well, what's my purpose? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the deeper layers you kind of go on this work, you kind of can widen the lens out. And I wonder, like, what's the purpose of the universe even existing? Why is there this planet yeah. floating through this void? And why is the human race evolved on it? And, you yeah. know, why are we here? Yeah, that's a huge rabbit hole right there. <laughs> yeah, it's infinite. It is. I mean, especially, yeah, if you take stuff like that into ceremony or around those times, and I certainly have. It's like the deeper I go, the less that I know. And the less mm-hmm. that I know, the deeper I go. That's kind of all I can say. People ask me what ayahuasca is. I still have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I could talk for hours and hours about this stuff. So it's a funny thing. Um, and I, I pondered the question cause I was reading your, you know, the, the questions that you have and, 
and even this was like a while ago, people ask each other this kind of thing anyway. You know, at least right now, one answer that I have is that I'm, I'm, I'm here to learn. I'm learning a lot. Um, what the end goal is, I have no idea. I don't know if there's even an end. And so accepting that maybe there is no end, then I feel a lot more at ease in my life about what I'm doing. I don't feel like I have to perform as much. But sometimes it, it can be fun to have. Takes off the pressure of feeling like you're in a rush to do anything, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've certainly felt that way and then, you know, gone through disappointment and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you go get a university degree and then, then what? And then what? And then what? Um, I've always felt a little bit outside the box anyway in this existence. And uh, I'm a lot more at ease about that uh, now. And I felt that way before, but I was younger and I just felt like it was a niche or something, I guess. But as far as, you know, how I, ref how I observe about what's going on around me in the world and with people and everything, you know, I, I see very much the same thing going on as well, too. It's like, this is an opportunity, this life. And... <clears throat> You know, when I'm, when I, I don't pray, but, um, before I, before I drink the medicine, that's one thing that I, you know, I thank creator for. And that's another question of yours, you know, about like, is there a God? Mm. I just, uh, I feel a lot more aligned with, with the native American perspective of creator, walk and talk of great spirit, you know, whatever that is. Um, I've always felt like for myself personally, that there's that there is something, but at the same time, it's not, the creator's not something that is, um, you know, just I'm living a script or anything like that. There's still always opportunities for growth and change. Maybe it's not always about growth, but about the, well, this is where Buddhism comes in for me. And, um, you know, I started to understand. So when I when I first started with ayahuasca, I also had my first vipassana sit, which is the ten day silent meditation. So vipassana um, is something that brought in, in accordance with starting working with ayahuasca. Um, it started. I started to. It didn't give me answers. It gave me more questions, um, and. I became a lot less of a seeker than an observer, mm. you know, as, as more of like, I don't have to go anywhere. I love going places and traveling obviously and, and exploring, but sometimes it's just a matter of going somewhere and sitting down and letting it all come. Mm. And, um, I see for myself and some, uh, well, the insights that I've had, and then in accordance with, you know, I'm not religious, but I'm mostly leaning Buddhist. And for me, it's about the, you know, one, one of our purposes here, if not the greatest purpose, is the cessation of suffering. And that's why we're learning how to stop <laughs> the suffering mm. from 
then using working with plant medicines, you know, I'm, I'm seeing for myself, this is, you know, one, one thing about uni for me is like, uh, we talk about this as, as ayahuasca being a great mirror. Then I go, well, who's holding the mirror? Who made the mirror? You know, all these things, but that's a bit that's of a, a great question. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Who's holding the mirror? You know, what Ooh. is this thing? I know. And, um, but, but to also be at peace with those kinds of questions too, right? You know, you ask them, but you just got to let it go. And, and then stuff comes mm. kind of like, you know, answers, but their answers are never really finished as well. Yeah. There can't be an end to the experience or it wouldn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So insights come. And that's why I understood, like, there's a, there's a question I, I alluded to it before. It's like, you know, did you choose your parents or did your parents choose you? And I ask people this sometimes. And it tells me a lot about who I'm talking to. Mm. Right. And I used to be in the paradigm of, you know, I, my, my parents chose me. And so anything that I ever did or anything that ever happened to me, I could always blame them. Involving <laughs> yourself a responsibility. That's an exactly. all too common story. Exactly. And that's also a thing too that comes into like the, the three world paradigms. You know, it's like it's number one, it's just all chaos. And there's no here, there, or anywhere. And it's, you know, there's no control. We're just we're just on this ride, this roller coaster. And then there's the second worldview of well, there's there is a higher power, right? But this higher power is still in control. So once again, there's no there's no free will on either of those two. But then there's cause and effect as number three, right? Which is more of the Buddhist side of things. Where there's for every cause, there's an effect. Everything we do has an effect. That's the real definition of karma, right? Yeah. So that's another rabbit hole that really started to pull me in when I, when I started asking about karma. What's karma? Um, out of a real like general interest, um, but it started, it started to pull me because of like, you know, people talk about past lives or, you know, anything like this and the, 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 the samsara, the, the cycle of, 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 death and rebirth and what the hell is this <laughs> even even where do we you know what is death where do we go these grand questions which i think are very important questions because uh none of us here gets out alive right mm-hmm. and um so those are the things that started to come when i just started to sit down and let them come mm-hmm. and um through experiences insights people that come into my life the deep connections and relationships that we have um the 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 honesty that we can have with each other um and then in accordance with um cracking oneself open with the use of plant medicines and things like that too um and then allowing oneself to have an integration time for that where you don't you just it's just it's just me living no 
working with any plant medicines or things or meditation or anything like that for a period of time, just living, giving it space and time for mm. it to land. Because even all the tools that we develop can, you know, that's all a path that leads us away from the present moment still. Mm-hmm. And it's all leads on for infinity away from where we're at now. So it's how do we learn to live presently. I mean, that's a real purpose of meditation anyway, right? Is to like live your life as if it's a meditation. And if you're meditating in such a routine that you're just sitting on the mat for an hour a day and then you're going on to life and you're not actually present for life, then yeah. it's just another habit that's getting in the way of actually what it's trying to help you accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Meditation can be a really amazing um, thing that helps in one's life, for sure. But yeah, I can also go the other way as mm-hmm. well. You know, I've, I talk about Vipassana meditation and after you've done the 10-day retreat, they advise that you sit for one hour in the morning and one hour in the evening. And after my fourth one, and after all of them, you know, I, I go for about two months and then that's it. Mm. <laughs> and then one could beat oneself up over, over not doing that or being perfect. I mean, it's classic. It's a cliche, but I've, I've started to see how just that, how much that's it's, come into my life anyway and to be in life walking and moving and whatever through life and and still having that with me throughout all the moments that that Mm -hmm. i'm conscious of it and bringing more of that consciousness into into it not that i'm walking around like super conscious guy in a supermarket or something but it's moments when that could come back in you know um also surfing as well is something that's been really amazing for me and really vital. You know, it's obviously athletic, but it's surfing isn't just surfing waves. It's a lot of sitting. Mm, a lot of contemplation yeah. out there on the water, huh? Yeah. And I, you know, sometimes I, I meet people out there and we yak a lot, but most of the time, no, it's just, we're just sitting out there contemplating, observing mm. my thoughts mm. and watching how, in you know say i'm out surfing and it's a bigger day how my thoughts get in the way mm. especially during a critical situation and stuff like that it teaches me a lot it's so it's that practice or it's like well, i guess not practice but it's it's like the what 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 goes on for me in 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 a meditation retreat how much comes through in in those situations for me as well I got a question um, for you. Yeah. Where, where, do, where do thoughts come from? Oh, geez. <laughs> You're just talking, yeah, like, right? observing my thoughts. And it's like, you know, people talk about like channeling or like, a, like the, even the Bible's like divinely inspired channeled text. And there's obviously a wide variety of religious texts and channeled texts. And, yeah. and you think like, okay, someone's channeling, they're connected and the words coming from them are, are divinely inspired. But Really? I mean, every thought is a gift from God or the creator, right? Even if it's something that we're not necessarily happy with or like, you know, but to observe the thoughts, like where do they actually come from? They're, they're energy that comes into play, mm-hmm. you know, so isn't technically everything, if everything is God, everything is of God, then even our thoughts are kind of coming from somewhere. What's your perspective on that? Mm-hmm. Even just the fact that we can observe our thoughts and talk about them right now 
is so strange. You know, because <laughs> I, mean, I look yeah. at I look at animals. I go, do they do it too? I I, I don't. I feel like some animals do. Mm. Some birds do. Or, or or whatever, but um I have no idea where I think that where do thoughts come from? That's pretty amazing. The the awareness of our thoughts. Like that's the real big mm-hmm. grand awakening is to drop back into becoming the observer. Like what is the thing that is witnessing the thoughts? Like that means I'm not my thoughts if I can see my thoughts. And I think that's the big awakening that kind of needs to happen for you to actually work through the stories of who you are, because a lot of people live from a place of they are the story. But as soon as you drop back and you can view the story, Mm -hmm. they become the observer. And the cool thing, and this I think is like the consciousness or, or, or God or whatever you want to call it, the awareness, the awareness in me and the awareness as you is the same awareness. It's the same, it's the same thing. And that's the, that when people talk about we're all one, right? Like we are all the same thing observing. We're just observing a different aspect of the the stories and the reality that we're living. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. That's, um, I think for me, it's like when it comes to, you know, say where, you know, where do thoughts come from? And is it from the present? Is it from the past? Is it from the future? Is there anything outside of that? That's another rebel. Just <laughs> call this uh, the rabbit hole podcast. <laughs> <The> quantum <laughs> rabbit hole. Quantum rabbit hole. Yeah. But, um, so there's there's a lot of fodder from the past and the present for our thoughts. Um, thinking about the future for sure. But then quantum, you know, with quantum copy, getting into quantum stuff here, because like I could say maybe there's there's things that are kind of filtering through. And even even how how sentient our spirits are sometimes, you know, um, how we can pick up things that maybe are coming from other people that are thinking. And it's like going through a filter and we're deciphering it that way because we're empathetic and we're feeling things when we're around people too. I definitely experienced that um, mm. being around other people. It's like, and we have similar thoughts simultaneously. You know, that kind of thing too. Yeah. So I've, I'm curious about like the energy of a thought, mm. you know, like the, is what, what kind of, what kind of um, vision is going on there? And then you talk yeah. about language too, and the way we interpret our thoughts. Like I, my thoughts, I interpret the energy of it in this English voice in my head yeah. What about Spanish speaking someone or I know you're bilingual, you speak Spanish, right? Cause you're yeah. down there all the time. Like, I mean, do your thoughts come in in Spanish or they come in in English and like the energy in English sometimes in Spanish mm. and also two different, different languages have different ways of, of initiating how you think about things mm. as well, because there's like the, there's like the, the way that 
the structure of, of any language is formed as well. So like English has its own structure of how we speak things in accordance, you know, mm-hmm. but then with other languages, sometimes it's actually kind of like the, the, the words will be before other words that in English, it wouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. And that changes the structure of how you think and probably yeah. how you see and experience the world. Yeah. And there's an energy to language too. Cause I was just talking, I forget who I was talking to, but he said that his friend who's, you know, a Caucasian Westerner is fluent in Japanese and he, like, like yeah. fluent can go speak it. Like it's normal. And he says he, he'll go into Japan and start speaking this language. And some of the Japanese people like look at him like, and not understand what he's saying because the, it's like, there's an energy of learning it from the, the culture like that comes across as even though you learned it, you're still not like speaking it with that energy. Right. And there's mm-hmm. obviously the different accents and stuff. I don't know how that plays a role, but there's just so many different layers to even the ability to communicate with these words, but really they're just energy anyway. And we have the emotions that are energy and there's just so many different subtle ways that we communicate, mm-hmm. but we so get so lost in the stories of the words. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's always more than words. I know that from having to learn another language as well. And um, out of necessity. And in the beginning, there's a lot of sign, sign language. It's just, you know, trying to say something. And there's a lot of this and a lot of that. But it's one thing I like about different, different regions that speak Spanish um, is that there's a lot of, there's a lot more body in it. There's a lot more, um, things that are you know just intonations and movement mm-hmm. um just passion <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so there's a lot more that speaks above just literally what comes out of the mouth mm-hmm. in that way and uh that's something that that i've really enjoyed about about learning language too mm-hmm. it's also something that um you know, with, when it comes to ayahuasca again, too, it's like it works really well with the language centers in the brain. And um, I've had moments in ceremony where I've, I've got Spanish words coming to me. I don't know what they are, and I go look them up later. And it's, wow. it's, a, it's, it's a message in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could dive down that rabbit hole of, of that. I think that would open up a lot. Um, but you, I mean, you alluded to the question of, of death earlier, and I want to kind of get back on that, kind of wrapping this, the, the three questions that I ask everybody up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what do you think happens when we die? Your idea around death, um, the, the great unknown. And, you know, I, I like to think about death as well, because I think it's a big, it's obviously one of the taboos in our culture. Not a lot of people talk about death. I know a lot of, a lot of different cultures around the world, like death isn't actually, it's a little more sacred thing. It's a little more honored. It's a little more prevalent in their society, but mm-hmm. talk about your thoughts around death and the idea that if we don't actually confront our death or think about it, it actually keeps us from living more fully. I think death is such a great teacher that is necessary for us to experience life to the fullest, knowing that it is impermanent because without death, like what would be the purpose of getting anything done or trying, you know, the sense of urgency around life and the miracle of it. And so death is such a beautiful teacher. What's your perspective mm. on all that? 
yeah, that's a good way to put it. And um, I remember when I was younger, how uh, more fearful I was of, of, of that thing that was going to happen to me at some point. <laughs> the thing we when, do not speak. Or how, you know, all these things. And I think just um, because of what to before, when I started doing a lot more self-work, I think that was stuff that I started to encounter um, in a really strong way. For sure. And uh, I I encountered how much how much fear I had about it and how much I was also shoving it away, putting it somewhere. And that was actually the thing that was starting to percolate more and more into into, into the fear of even just acknowledging it. And also seeing how much it was putting a chokehold on me. Mm in doing certain things in life or um, I wasn't really a big risk taker. I mean, maybe to some other people, they would say no, no, but <laughs> I didn't feel like it at the time. That's a relative <laughs> term, huh? It's a relative term, but relative to how I feel now. And I see how um, just, just from my own perspective that, so I turned 45 this year. I think, I think I'll yeah, go from here. So turning 45, um, five years ago when I turned 40, the day, and I was in the Amazon working at another ayahuasca center at that time. And I, the day before I turned 40, I woke up that morning and to a voice that said, you're going to die. Wow. And That's it's, you know, I'm, I'm living and working in an ayahuasca center. Sometimes you just have funny things happen. Um, but it's not like a voice that, you know, happens all the time or anything like that. <laughs> it's extremely rarely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and there's a part of me going, really? <laughs> wow. Thanks. What a way to wake me up today. <laughs> How'd you process that? Um, I sat with it all day, you know, mm -hmm. I just sat with it and it was like, and I, and I was also going through a thing too, of like the, the cliche of turning 40, mm -hmm. you know, this midlife and the midlife crisis and where I'm at in comparison to other people that I know that have gone through it or been through it or like my family or whatever, mm -hmm. all those things. But, um, and I sat with it that day and I was, I just let it, I just let it be there. I just let it do its thing as it needed to. Um, and then when I woke up the next day and it was my birthday, it was not a voice, but I just felt like, wow, my life is just starting today. Mm. It's really starting today. That's beautiful. Yeah. Every, yeah. It's like life begins at 40. So you, you almost see it like as a bumper stick. I feel like everybody says that like every decade it gets like, you know, your twenties is like, just the best time. Thirties is the best time. Forties is the best time. Well, you're still alive. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you didn't die when you're turned 40. So that we had an opportunity to connect. And, oh man, as we're coming up uh, on the close, um, I do want to talk a little bit about Soltara and mm -hmm. how beautiful it is. And if anybody's interested in working with the medicine, how, I mean, I would highly recommend it's 
the first place. I've, I've been, I'm grateful enough that I've got to experience the medicine in, in kind of a couple different uh, containers, but Soltara just is absolutely incredible. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Maybe share a little bit about Soltara and um, you know, how amazing it is and the work that you do there. And then you, know, you can share where people can find you if they want to reach out. Mm-hmm. I know you're on Instagram. Yeah, totally. Um, so Saltara is located in in Costa Rica, in in Guanacaste. So it's at the uh, it's on the Gulf side of the southern tip of Peninsula de Nicoya. And after working, as I said, I worked in the in the Amazon for five years, which is which is an environment that can be uh, really tough to be in for for periods of time, you know, due to the weather and the bugs and all that. So. We're in an environment that's more jungle light in that way. So yeah. that's that for me has been one of the things. Cause when I left the Amazon, I was like, well, I was also in an, I was going into an integration period for how long, who knows, but end up being like a year and a half. And when I left the Amazon, I was like, well, if I'm going to continue to do this, I want to be in a place that's um, a little more intimate and does not have any of the uh, tropical diseases <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So that's a bonus, yeah, I would say. But as, as a retreat center itself, um, it's such a beautiful place. And I've, I've really, um, I appreciate so much the, the amount of, of time and care that has gone into creating it. And from the from the founders of, of Sultara as well to provide people with a place to experience ayahuasca in a, one of the safest ways possible in accordance with you know we talked about set and setting. Um, the setting is amazing. Uh, and how much everything is is really taken care of in that way, so you don't you don't have to worry about like um, food and lodging and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's the whole other side of it, working with the medicine and our maestros, so Shipibo maestros, who are incredible and amazing, um, as well as our facilitation team and all the local staff, everybody that's involved with it. Um, there's, a the intimacy and, and relationships that we all share there that a lot, a lot of people don't get to experience if you, if you're just coming there as a guest mm. for myself as being, you know, part of the, the one being able to see what, you know, inside the sausage factory or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the place and I love where it's going as well because it's an evolution what we're doing here this isn't something that you know is um has been happening for for a very long time at all and so we're working with traditional shipping aspects but what sultara is 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 doing in itself is part of an evolution into into what uh, we don't exactly know but it just it keeps getting better and better and more refined and more refined Mm. Um, for the people that are coming, not just for their experience, but to be held, um, in the most caring way possible. 
Um, I think, I think that's one of the most important things mm. for sure. And to have a high level of integrity for sure. Absolutely. And Siltaro checks all those boxes. It's, it's just a beautiful property. I mean, that, that's, that sun deck, the sky deck, the star deck. I don't know what you guys the call star it. Deck, yeah. the star deck. Yeah. Star deck. It just <laughs> overlooks the, the, the ocean in this, like the most magical way. The property yeah. is just absolutely beautiful. It's, it's very sacred. It's very safe. Um, and then just the energy that is being developed there over, I don't know how long it's been open a few years now and just continuing to, yeah to process and, and the, the, the deep healing work that happens that to everybody that goes there, it's just, it's carried there. And so it is becoming this very sacred land that is being developed through all the healing that is taking place. And it's really quite beautiful, totally. great to experience if you're interested in the medicine and, and experiencing that for yourself and you feel called to it. Cause it's definitely, everybody always talks about how ayahuasca kind of calls you to it. And it's, um, if you don't know what that, feels like then it's probably not right and ready because you will know when it's yeah. time um todd i really appreciate you taking the time man i know it's been kind of uh we've been like in and out with the internet but we've gotten through it and i really appreciate something. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, really appreciate you coming on man and chatting with me yeah. i really just love our conversations and you know anytime i can contemplate the universe with somebody uh that questions it as much as i do it's just a really beautiful gift so thank you yeah. Yeah, so much appreciation for you too, brother. Thank you yeah, so man. much for yeah. inviting me on. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it again you. soon. Uh, maybe I can come yeah. down to Lotar and we can do it live so we got really good audio and quality and everything. And That would be sweet. That would yeah. be fun. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? I know you're on Instagram. Is there anything else? Instagram, Facebook, Todd Michael Roberts, full name. Yeah, and then Sultara is www.sultara.co. Yeah, yeah .co. Um, uh, let's see if I can get like maybe a code for my listeners if they sign up through listening to this podcast and I can like plug them direct and put it all in the show notes. I'll see if I can do that for yeah. you guys. But if you're interested in, yeah, yeah. um, all that will be in the show notes. So check it out. And, um, yeah, man, let's do it again soon. I love you. Absolutely. Enjoy your vacation. Enjoy your integration you, time in between, in between sits and we'll talk soon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Later brother. All right. Huge thank you to Todd, Michael, Roberts. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Once again, I apologize for any kind of disturbances with the internet and audio. Um, He was calling from Nicaragua and, you know, it was really cool talking to him. Uh, He's he's so in that island time that, 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 you know, talking, talking slow. Just, it just reminded me of just to slow down. Like we get such in such a hurry in life. I know I do. And, you know, I was so grateful to have an opportunity to talk with Todd and reconnect with him since uh, going down to Sultara to drink the medicine with him. Um, If you are interested in, you know, learning more about Sultara, all that will be in the show notes. And if you are interested in reach out to them, uh, make sure you drop my name and I think you might get a little discount or referral. I'm going to reach out to them. Um, It is a magical place and it is a really deep healing journey. If you feel called to this type of medicine or this type of work, I would highly recommend visiting Sultara. It's www.sultara.co. That's just CO. And if you like this podcast, review, rate, share with your friends, subscribe. And if you want to support it, get the premium feed. 
All that's in the show notes. Love to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on the podcast. If there's any guests that you want me to bring on to talk about these unanswerable questions with, or maybe even you want to come on, let me know. I love y'all. Peace.